0: Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello. Rebels and welcome to episode 155 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I'm talking to Alessa Thorne and I am really excited to bring you this episode because uh, Alessa inspired me personally. Um, I felt very excited after the episode. It was great to talk to somebody who had pivoted genre and uh, made it successful, especially in recent times. So I'm really, really excited to share this one with you. But first, to last week's question which was what's your favorite series either one you've written or one you've read Edwin downward said picking a favorite series is like trying to pick a favorite book or child okay basing my answer mainly on how this series has inspired a key aspect of my own series I'm going to say the alien novels by Gina Koch I think that's how you say it a cop yeah I'm gonna a uh, uh, Ginny sorry Ginny Koch I don't know don't know how to pronounce that. I apologize. Uh, Kerry Hardisky said, "Love this episode. I'm actually working on two series right now, and I love them both. But I think the urban fantasy is still my favorite. It's my first completed book, baby. I've been working on it for almost nine years, and book one will be out sometime before year's end. As for books I've read, the Circle Trilogy by Nora Roberts is my go-to, which is vampires, love vampires, fairy tale worlds, dragons, epic bantle- battles, and then romance as the as only the queen can write and then romance as only the queen can write. Uh, Helen Shoira says, "Thank you so much for having me." You are most welcome, darling. Uh, as for favorite series, yikes, that's hard. Throne of Glass, Deltora Quest, uh, HP or although, although I'm tempted to leave that off now. Yeah. <laughs> I understand why. So we also had comments from Eden Collier, Matt Goodall, and Van Cognito. uh, And I'm guessing that's an Instagram uh, handle. And they said, loved the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I still get worked up thinking about that ending. I haven't uh, read that one. Okay, so although I did watch the movie because Idris Elba. (laughs) (sighs) who's not gonna watch it because of him okay so this week's question is what month or season are you most productive in and this i kind of was thinking about this because i i really moan (laughs) about winter i really dislike the cold um i much prefer sun but i'm also really productive in the winter and i love fluffy christmas socks they are literally like my favorite thing i i always ask for them at Christmas and I literally spend all winter just walking around with these giant thick socks on. My feet are my temperature, like my thermometer gauge. If my feet are cold, I am cold. If my feet are warm, it doesn't matter if I'm in hot pants and a tank top, I will be warm. Uh, so I like adore thick fluffy. So I think it's a sensory thing as well, um, like the softness of them. Anyway, <laughs> I love fluffy socks and therefore I love winter and uh uh, so I love that about winter but also I love just like hibernating in my office and just pounding on the keyboard all winter because I don't like feel the pull if it's summery I want to be outside uh so yeah that is why I like uh, so I basically I like all of the seasons but also I like the colors of autumn I don't know why I'm answering this I never answer the question but anyway Okay, so book recommendation of the week this week is It Happened on 5th Street by Robin R. Pierce, And Robin is a uh, patron, so uh, I'm just going to read the blurb for you. If you enjoy thrilling historical novels with a time travel twist and you're fascinated by the drama of the Underground Railroad, you'll love It Happened on 5th Street, A Tale of Forgotten Heroes. 1837, America. Alf, a hidden letter, family secrets he's determined to uncover. 2015, Abby, a girl from his future, a forgotten tin trunk, a mystery, and a magical old coin. Alf and Abby, family members thrown together across the centuries, pool their knowledge. It takes ages, but at last, a breakthrough. They crack the code, and Alf demands to be included. He's sworn to silence for their lives and livelihoods are in grave danger. Cincinnati in the 1830s and 40s was a violent place, enemies, riots, persecution of people of colour and abolitionists. In this dramatic story, you've got it all. If you like tales of feisty characters who refuse to be told no, you'll love this tension-filled story by Robin R. Pierce. Uh, Right now, you can discover the secret too. Okay, so if you like uh, The Sound of That, then you can get uh, her book on all of the stores, I believe. Um, And I think there is also a second book out in the series as well. So I will leave all of the links in the show notes to that. So in personal update news then, last weekend I was at the Jericho Writers Conference. All weekend it was a three-day event and I spent... I believe it was seven hours teaching over the weekend. One was a three hour session. And then the last four hours were broken up, uh, two one hour ones and one two hour one. That's easy for me to say. It was amazing. I was, I was actually genuinely really quite impressed with the conference, the organization, the logistics, uh, the professionalism. Every attendee got two 10 minute sessions with an agent. There were stacks of agents there. There was a big gala dinner um, and I met Holly Seddon, who, oh my God, she is just my favorite new human. Um, she is a, a crime, psychological thriller, typewriter. And so, of course, I've, I've piled all her books on my wife because my wife lo- loves that kind of uh, genre. But yeah, so um, I, I I made a friend. I just love her and she's, everybody needs to go read her books. I just think she's wonderful. And um, who? what else did I do? Yeah, so uh, I learned some really interesting things as well. I learnt that I really love being on stage. <laughs> it's probably surprising nobody listening to this, but it was a surprise to me. Obviously, I used to act as a kid, and I've like been on TV and had an agent and all the rest of it, uh, and I used to do voiceover stuff, as you guys know, but the surprise to me was I thought I'd lost that. Uh, I threw up before I left. <laughs> so on Friday morning, I was so nervous. I literally threw up. And my wife was like, pull your shit together, get in the fucking car, we're going. I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, I like literally pulled myself together and got in the car and she like dumped me out of the station was like, bye, you'll have a really good time. And I was like, will I? Will I? And she was like, you know, you fucking will. And I was like, okay. And of course, then I had an absolutely delightful time. And she just Rolled her eyes at me as if to say, "As if you didn't know that." <laughs> she was right. I hate it when she's right. Um, but it was it was amazing, and uh, despite the nerves. I got there, and I sort of really calmed down and realized you know it was absolutely fine and uh, I got to teach in a lecture hall, a university lecture hall, so I literally had like the the sort of rising chairs in front of me, these gigantic screens behind me, and like a laser pen clicker i uh, let me tell you I was in my fucking element. <laughs> um i had some lovely feedback it was like a performance oh, i just bloody loved it I'm not gonna lie i did like being the center of attention but also this was the interesting thing that i learned so whilst being on stage literally was like jacking me up with speed and steroids and crack and everything else and i came off batshit high Afterwards, I obviously stood around and I was talking to everybody and I was socializing and then there were lots of socials like in the evenings, in in the in-betweens. And I really enjoyed talking to all of the new writers and I loved meeting new people. And like I say, I met Holly and some other lovely, I met some like publishers and agents and I met um, some new writers and I met um, some lovely writers that were in some of my lessons. And I loved that bit and I actually really enjoyed talking to everybody. But I was fucked by the end of it, like literally fucked. So I, I would find myself going on the on this huge energy roller coaster where I would get high as a kite at the end of a. Uh, I wanted to call it performance day at the end of a class. Well, it was kind of a performance, um, and then and then I would just get absolutely drained by all of the socializing aspects, and. I just thought that was interesting because a lot of people do mistake me for an extrovert. And I think I do have extroverted tendencies for sure. You know, like being on stage, for example. But also I gain a lot of energy by being by myself. And I did find this really stark contrast between the types of energy. And I don't think I would have known to look for that or no I don't think I would have even been aware of it if it weren't for the fact that I had done so much learning about strengths everyone drink um so yeah that was really interesting to me um what else yeah so I I don't know I don't know I think what I'm going to do as well is that I am going to record some I'm just going to tweak actually and add a few more bits um to those classes that I did over the weekend and then I am going to record some of those and bundle them up as classes uh, and I will be doing that hopefully over the course of uh, the next well the last quarter this year. Um, I have also and the other thing is that that took pretty much all last week so I have not gotten any further with the audiobook however this coming week I will be doing that. Now also about 90% sure on the next nonfiction book that I was going to write. I was going to write one particular one, which I may have or may not have mentioned. And I'm not, I'm going to put that second now because um, for reasons... Uh, not least because I think that second book is going to require a bit more research and I really desperately want to get a fiction book and a non-fiction book written before the end of this year even if they're not both edited I do want them both written so um yeah that that just basically means that uh I'm going to swip swap around the non-fiction books that I'm doing Um, And then, so as I've mentioned, this coming week, I'm going to be working on the anatomy of uh, a bestseller audiobook. So I really, really want that out by the end of September. So that is done and dusted. And I feel like I am now gearing up. I'm trying really hard. I don't know if I've mentioned this on this podcast. I think I've mentioned it on other ones. I'm trying really hard to work term time only. So what that means is I need to work slightly longer hours in the term time. Um, But I get the half terms and and the holidays off because this summer felt like a bit of a clusterfuck to me. Uh, Not I, I was just scrambling in any time that we weren't away or out of the country or uh, off doing you know pre-planned things. I was literally scrambling the whole summer and that is not a position that I want to be in. Uh, I've also gone ahead and I've looked at like my income this might be an interesting one for you those of you who are either part-time or full-time um, and struggle with cash flow. I looked at my income over the last three or four years by month, And I looked for patterns and my income always drops uh, April to June and it's because I'm not launching in the early part of the year. So so that has told me that I need to do something to make sure that that doesn't happen. Because it always means that I then struggle in the summer. So I looked at um, it, yeah, and that has given me some information. And it also means that I can now plan like my production and what I'm doing uh, to create more financial consistency over the course of the year. So if you haven't looked at your income and where your income kind of dips and and peaks and all of the rest of it, then that might be a good exercise for you to do. And you know me, I always like to be honest. I always like to tell you (laughs) the good stuff and the bad shit that goes on. So yeah, I thought I would uh, share that with you. Okay, so I think that's probably it from me this week, so let's get on with the rest of it. The Rebel of the Week this week is Jasmine C. Caldwell. She says, "Uh, I wasn't happy with my first book's professional cover. The designer couldn't find uh, models that fit my characters, so we went with photos of inanimate objects. When I set out to write a new contemporary, contemporary romance series about a group of female friends, illustrated covers were suddenly popping up everywhere. I knew better than to try and draw the characters myself, so I hired artists to do the illustrations for me, both characters and background. Then I put the covers together in photo editing software. Every expert I follow says not to do your own covers, but I had such a strong vision that I just couldn't trust them with anyone else. The o- I love that, by the way. Uh, the other rebellion with this series is that not all of the relationships are straight. Uh, one of my MCs is bi and the other is trans. And of course, I couldn't leave them out. Oh, I love that. They'll be getting their happy ever afters just like my straight characters. Yeah mixing relationship orientations in a romance series isn't really done, but I think it should be more common. So here's the interesting thing. you, I am starting to see that in fantasy. So I normally I would say romance, uh, everything comes from romance and feeds into the other genres. But you know, I don't read uh, contemporary romance, so I don't know if that's the case. I can only go on what you've said here. But I am starting to see a lot of fantasy romance books, uh, or just fantasy in general, uh, picking up a lot of diversity uh, in, in both character and also types of relationships. So perhaps that will filter the other way this time. Thank you and welcome to E.L. Creswell and Lucia Jacobs. A huge welcome to uh, the Slack group, to the Patreon community, and of course, a gigantic thank you to all of my existing patrons. If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, as well as loads of bonus content, then you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. Just a note about the quality of the audio on this one. Unfortunately, I didn't know... (laughs) until I went to edit this episode that for some reason my uh, Zoom did not pick up the correct mic and so my audio sounds very tinny. Thankfully Alessa who does obviously, (laughs) the guest always talks more, uh, thankfully Alessa's audio is absolutely perfect and it's just my fuck up. So apologies for that. I do hope you can bear with it. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is the only episode that's uh, like that. So yeah, apologies once again and uh, hopefully I won't fuck that up again. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. I'm super excited today because we've got a topic I am selfishly really interested in uh, diving into, and an amazing guest who has absolutely smashed the purpose of this goal. So welcome to Alessa Thorne. Alessa believes that all monsters and villains deserve their happy endings. Hello, amazing Doctor Hello. Mario. she prefers her clothes black eyeliner winged and books full of hot romance me too darling she is the author of 19 novels and thinks heroes are boring don't we all so all of her books are centered around monsters villains and morally gray characters fighting for their hea i don't think we could have a more perfect guest for this podcast so hello and welcome to the
1: show hi thank you so much for having me i am super fucking excited um just to give just to give uh just a very minor bit of background for people i listen to this podcast all the time and when sasha said that she was thinking about starting a pen name i kind of instagram stalked her (laughs) and did um what me and my friend molly call the adhd dance of friendship by (laughs) info dumping (laughs) by info dumping her Um, about how great starting a pen name is and then she asked me more questions and she got back a 2,000 word essay <laughs> <laughs> which was epic was, can I just say
0: and,
1: and then she was just like just just come on the show I was like yeah okay I think yeah. That's all <laughs> and I love that you gave me
0: the context of this because you're gonna need to take a drink but let's just tell everyone what your top five strengths are <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. So I warned her in the email because I'm just like, you had it coming. Yeah. But my, my top five strengths are context, learner, intellection, which is just like three info dumping right there, input and relator. Amazing. So, Amazing. Have you got so your full
0: 34?
1: I do, but I haven't been through like the top five are the ones that I really remember because they're yeah. the ones that, that hit the most relevant for me yeah. um, and amazing like the more I dig into personality types like I get really addicted to it so like Enneagrams and like like I'm a fucking INTJ and yes. like archetypes and like <laughs> it's just so much but for writers personally I think Clifton Strengths and yeah, me too. is just amazing she amazing. is the what, queen what you can what you can learn about yourself holy shit And the other strange thing is like with
0: more, the more coaching I get, the more I feel like there are a lot of similarities with therapy. Like I haven't had therapy, but I almost feel like some of the lessons that I'm learning, some of the realizations that I'm having have a therapeutic like edge to them because I'm like almost healing and like understanding the why behind behavior. And then because I understand where it came from, the
1: context, I'm sure you like that.
0: um, I, I can then change the behavior. Or like exactly. bring the behavior more in line with what my strengths are. It's fantastic. It's Exa- like exactly.
1: And like I was um, I was really late diagnosed ADHD. It's only like in the last three years. And like that has just been a fucking revelation to me. Um, just with writing, how I work, how I research, like how like just every aspect of my life it hits. And like it's like your whole life suddenly makes sense from this one thing that gets explained yeah. to you.
0: Ah, I it's love amazing. it. Yeah, completely. We could whack lyrical about strengths for probably
1: the whole show. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We love you, Becca.
0: Yeah, we do, literally. Um, Tell everyone a little bit about your journey. So, like, how did you get to where you are today?
1: Okay. So I'm going to give you the very quick Reader's Digest version because even though I've been publishing under Alessa only since 2020, I've actually been writing and publishing for a while. So... Like everybody, like every writer I know, I always read and I read really early. Um, I didn't actually start writing until I was about 14 um, and I didn't start submitting anything to publishers until about 2012. Um, Got really nowhere with it. Uh, I had one publisher ask me to rewrite it as a YA because Twilight was going wild at the time and I politely declined. Um, But I got really nowhere with it and I saw a lot of indies signing with trad Um, because there was this buzz about like you know these indies had built a platform and they released books and they had an audience and that like was something that um, publishers were getting really interested in so I was like okay I'll look into indie so long story short I did that I released a book in December 2014 um, and just slowly released like every kind of six to eight months and you know made heaps of mistakes, the whole thing. Um, When I wrote a series, like, and in my mind, the goal was I'm going to use this as a stepping stone to get to trad. So I wrote a series that was more aligned with what trad would want. Um, Got picked up in 2018 for a publishing deal. Signed over my back catalog because they like loved all my books and loved all my stuff. Um, Thinking that I was doing like this great, amazing fucking thing um because as you do when a publisher rolls up and like I'm not saying anything against them they're they're great and all the rest of it but just wasn't the experience that I thought that I wanted so like come November 2019 um I'd signed kind of everything over I had signed two massive universes over to them I was like well what the fuck do I do now because they were releasing the series again slowly so I basically didn't have anything to submit to anywhere until like 2025 (laughs) so I was like well shit like what what do I do now um because they were very determined to like relaunch me as a trad and all this kind of stuff um so then because my good old context personality kicks in I started thinking a lot about what I did wrong as an indie Um, and what I could have done better in order to make money off it because my idea was, Oh, I'll make money. Once I hit trad, everybody laugh. Okay. So like, because that's the dream that gets sold you. Right. Um, And I was like, I want to look at where I went wrong as an indie um, and try and see if I could do this again with everything that I know now about both sides of the industry um so at this stage two, like I was reading a fuck ton of PNR like like paranormal romance I'm a big KU reader um and I really loved the pacing of them I really loved that they're like the whole lot so I was like you know what I think I want to just try write some fun romances um and basically from there Alessa was born in March 2020 I released my first book as a lesser and it was about five days before the whole state went into lockdown so but if anybody can be like you know take anything from this it's you can release a whole new platform a new everything in the middle of a pandemic and be really successful so if I can do it anyone can do it
0: I I love listening to it in your own words because obviously I've read your story, but like it just, it lands and it was like a gut punch hearing you like say the things that had happened. And I was just like, Oh, like, even though I've read it and I was like, I knew what was going to happen. So like, have you, have you had your rights reversed for the series that the Chad No. So they still, still,
1: yeah. So this is, so they own it um, until it was a 10 year contract, but it's kind of, it's a little bit one of those things where it's 10 years from the last one released, Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to be probably like 2028 before I see any rights back or anything like that. That's not to say they're not like good publishers because as far as publishers go, they are good. It just wasn't the experience that I thought that I was going to get like at this stage, I was really sick of like, I was working a day job and I was writing full time and I thought that, oh, yeah, if it, like, trads, the answer because mm-hmm. they have, like, deeper distribution streams and, like, I you know, foolishly thought that I would have a marketing budget and, like, stuff like that and it just never, it wasn't that at all. Um, so I was like, well, I know what I want to do. I've always wanted to write. And if I, it was kind of like I want to give this one last stab. Mm-hmm. Um and, and kind of, I knew what I wanted to write. I knew that what I was capable of writing. Um, and so the pen name was like just the perfect answer for me.
0: So let's talk through like your reasons for pivoting. You've sort of alluded to a little bit, but let's go into a bit more, m- bit more depth. Why did you decide it was time to move? You know, we're all told to stick in our lanes, um, but that advice doesn't work for everybody. You know, everybody says, stay stay with the genre, build a backlist. You'll be fine. Once you've got the backlist, you'll make money. So like, what do you think are some of the good reasons for shifting a genre for changing a pen name or um, deciding to do something new and like what, what was it that really
1: kick-started it for you? Um, so as I said before, I am ADHD and some of Alessa was just out of sheer fucking boredom because I'm used to writing full-time and I'm used to having a day job full-time. So not writing and like writing is my kind of stress relief and stuff like that as well. So to not have that, um, I was just like, I need to fill this. I need to do something because I can't sit still. And I obviously I write too fast for Trad. So
0: I was just gonna ask, do you do you owe books to the Trad contract
1: or are they all written? No, they're all written. So they signed my back catalogue at the same time. So they got nine books out of me in one hit. Right. That they're slowly kind of re-releasing. So I knew that, like, without fail, I'd have at least two books a year out for the next five years. So I didn't really have to write anything. Mm -hmm. But because of who I am, I can't stop writing. And I couldn't really keep publishing under that name as an indie because they were really determined to, like, relaunch me kind of as a trad.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And I just wanted to try something new. And I didn't want to have to worry about any pressure if it failed. And I didn't want to have to worry about, you know, my mum's church friends harassing me on social media. <laughs> and, she like, <laughs> and she like that because of the content of the books that I was writing. Um, and I, you know, I wanted to start fresh. Yeah. And, and like, I wanted to try something fun. And I wanted to be able to take everything that I had learned and just do a fresh thing. Because like the more, the more you're in the business, the more you learn and it's constantly changing and, and everything like that. And like, I knew that I had good product. I knew I could write a good story. I knew that once I could get that story in front of people, my readers really enjoy them. So I was really looking at, at all the other things that I did that were wrong. And it was just because my goals were different the first time around because I was really like I want to use this as a springboard to get into trad, which I did and I achieved and I'm really glad that I did. But at the same time, India is a completely different beast,
0: Mm.
1: completely different. Um, So I love this
0: because I am really trying to loosen up and <laughs> not put so much pressure on myself. So I'm trying to experiment more yeah. and treat my books as an experiment rather than attaching loads of meaning and needing everything to like do well or be successful. Rather than doing that, I'm trying to treat everything as an experiment. So I've decided to query the last book that I wrote, which is like a, a sapphic young adult book, because that is really the trad market owns the sapphic young adult market and it's not huge now yeah for now for now but but you know in in terms of like building an audience that probably is the best way to do that not only that I want the experience of trad, I so that I can talk to it with experience rather than just like from the outside, whether or not I get picked up, I don't know. Maybe I won't. find, but at least yeah. I tried. But it's an yeah. experiment, right? So rather than yeah. getting really caught up in it, I'm trying to treat it as an experiment, and that's also the reason for then shifting genre. So, yeah. Um, as I don't know if you know, but I'm like basically pen. Yeah, of course you know pen naming and going into a, a different genre. Um, And I'm trying to treat that as an experiment as well so that I don't get really caught up and think this has to make money, this has to do this, this has to do blah, blah, blah. um, Absolutely. There's there's no pressure, right? If nobody knows, there's no pressure. So I can experiment and literally try anything like without the fear of everyone seeing my failures or successes or whatever. And if it is successful, then sure, I'll talk about it. But at least I can like, like.
1: It was so freeing for me, like creatively freeing for me and just to like, it really put the fun back into it for me. Yes. Um, and, and like, I have zero pressure. I still try and operate under a zero pressure, even though I've got a platform and readers and stuff. Now I still try and operate under a zero pressure sort of thing, which is why I'm kind of protective of the pen and all that sort of stuff, because I love being Batman. Like yeah. I love it. And I love being able to be like, oh, I wrote this random passion project. Do you guys want me to release it so you guys can read it and have my audience be like, fuck yeah, just drop it. Like we'll get, and like you, you, you laugh, but like this literally happened last October. I, Cause I have two main universes that I kind of write in. And then I wrote this kind of Mr. And Mrs. Smith cross tomb Raider, kind of family of mercenaries hunting magical relics um Sounds and it amazing. goes right it goes right into like like the occult and and all this kind of stuff and like it was just this random thing that I was like I have this cool idea and I just want to write it as a passion project and then I pretty much got bullied by my Instagram <laughs> followers to be like because I was like oh I've got this random thing that I'm doing now just like oh my god like release it like release it now and they're so fucking excited about it because they're involved in that. And it's, it's so freeing to be able to do just random experiments like this. Um, and if they make money, great. If they don't make money, like it doesn't matter because it's still in your back catalog. People will still pick it up. If they, like, if they read one and they love your stuff, they'll binge the whole lot. Like it's zero pressure. Like I'm so excited just to, to do it every day.
0: Yeah and that and I think that zero pressure is really what I need because I spend my life under intense amounts of pressure that I just put on myself. Of-
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. We we're, we're all kind of, us overachievers are all kind of yeah. like that. Um yeah. Yeah. because we want to do our best, right? And- but sometimes <laughs> the best to a thing that-
0: one competition of course I want to do my <laughs> yeah. best.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but the thing is sometimes like we can only do our best when we're not trying to do our best
0: yes oh my god that's a horrible phrase i completely agree
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're chaotic like me so you understand why this makes sense but like sometimes you just need to go fuck it i'm just gonna i'm just gonna write it the way i want to write it and i'll just worry about editing it later like my writer friend and I call our first drafts alchemy drafts because oh, like it. we'll just start we'll just throw anything in the pot and like it all comes out in the wash in the in the second draft like you know what I mean yeah. so sometimes you need to like be able to free yourself from the pressure in yeah. order to create your best stuff
0: I completely agree and like so let's let's kind of talk about some of that mindset stuff I think a lot of authors are terrified to pivot in this day and age because starting again is scary maybe maybe they've released say two books and there's like a sunk cost fallacy you know they've done two books in a genre okay they didn't really do well but like they've done two two books in a genre and therefore they'd have to start again and really start building up a backlist and so there's like fear and mindset issues that come into that. So what what would you say can an author still start again in 2022 in a new genre? Um, and what do you say to those people who are maybe like afraid or having like mindset issues?
1: Um just fucking do it. Like like seriously, I started the pen name in the middle of a fucking pandemic from scratch and I made it work. So like if like I said before, if I can do it anyone can do it and I'm kind of been in the business long enough that like I'm getting really fucking tired of hearing older indies always talking about the fucking gold rush year. Is oh, that, like two, God. that was like 2000, 2012 to 2016. I was fucking there in 2014 and it is, it was so much harder than what it is now. The stuff that we have now is incredible. Like even stuff like cover design is cheaper. You have programs like Vellum. You have cost per click ads. We had none of that back then. Like the advertising was just nothing. Like
0: I I really hate the scarcity afraid mindset. Like (sighs) all it does is send poison into the community and it makes newer writers feel like they can never succeed. It's fucking bullshit. If you look at the number of new authors coming in, exceeding hitting five figures six figures like it happens every fucking day anyone that tells you it can't happen is a liar
1: because exactly exactly and it's really like it's really fucking upset me recently I won't tell you who it is because I don't name and shame but I saw this kind of well-known indie author who's branched out become hybrid and they were like, I would never tell a new author these days to go into indie because it's just way too hard. And oh they would never, they would never succeed at it. And this is somebody that, like, <clears throat> is somebody that's, like, a giant in the field that people would look up to and that I was actually really shocked by. I was like, the nerve of you, like, how dare you try and tell anyone these days that they can't succeed for a start? Um, but there was, I was there, man. I was there. There was no fucking gold rush years. Like it was hard. Like book bug wasn't a thing. Like it was only just becoming a thing when I started to like release. And I think that if anyone's afraid of doing it, do a pen. It takes the fear out because you don't have to tell anybody that you're doing it. You don't have to like, have that fear of oh what will my friends think if I fail they won't fucking know so like what's holding what's holding you back like you can only you can only try right and like this is this is the thing like um I love Chuck Wendig and his blog Mm -hmm. and he he had like said something in in a blog one day that just always stuck with me that's um you're not dead unless you stay dead so like we're creatives right so if something doesn't work if a pen name doesn't work then drop it and start something else like if you're a writer you're gonna write so like I'm on my second time around and it took me like five to seven years in order to make a living off it um and I had to start a whole new platform in the middle of a pandemic to do it so like
0: I really feel strongly that this new experimental mindset is like so healthy. It's the way to go. It is so healthy. Treat everything as an experiment. What can you learn from it? How, okay, it didn't work. It did work. How can you make an opportunity out of it? Like, and I did not have this mindset. Like literally, this is because of Ellie. Like all credit to Ellie and the Strengths because I am so much more flexible, so much Um, more able to pivot because I've taken the pressure I've stopped assigning meaning to everything like that was the problem and like the thing is some of my strengths like want meaning attached to everything but actually in in order to succeed I have to take that pressure off so that I can pivot and can experiment and stop being so fucking fearful of everything. So like basically I love everything that you're saying is, is my conclusion. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> like I honestly, like if you're on the fence about it, like just fucking do it. Yeah. Amen like, to that. <laughs> like like further further down, like I've got some like stuff and all the re- more advice or whatever, but advice that is golden is just do it. Like you've got absolutely nothing to lose in my exactly. opinion.
0: Exactly. Would you would you rather regret doing it? or regret not doing it because for me exactly. I would you know yeah. I'd rather for do like,
1: it yeah for people like me it would forever haunt me that I didn't try exactly
0: me too me too okay so let's say we've agreed we're gonna pivot what do you yeah. think are the foundations of changing a genre changing your genre or pen name successfully what do you think are the key tasks research like what action does an author need to do if they want to pivot successfully
1: Okay, so the biggest thing that you could do, especially once you pick a genre, is research it even if you think you know it well. Like know its tropes, read its top 100 books, find out what readers are excited about, not what the publishing industry is excited about, what readers are excited about. Um, Look at the most successful authors in that genre and look at their websites, look at their platforms. Look at how they interact with their readers. Even look at how they design their websites. Like like the best thing you can do is go in with a plan and don't half-ass the plan. Like because every genre is different and as a reader, you're getting different things out of the genre than you are as a writer. So even if you are like, Oh, you know, I want to write romance and enemies lovers is a big thing. Yeah, it is. But what about all the others? Because every book has more than one trope. What are readers actually like really excited about? Um. So I think researching, researching like your absolute ass off. Um, and I talk a bit about like deconstructing and stuff a little bit later on. But like, the biggest thing, like build your foundation and you'll only get a foundation if you do research and the more confident you are in what you're doing, um, the easier it will be for you, in my opinion.
0: You talked about um, looking at what readers are saying and what they're excited about. How, what were some of the tactics you did? Like, where did you find that information? Because I know that's something that newer writers often struggle with, like understanding where to find that kind of information.
1: Yeah. Um, So with me personally, I looked at top 100 books in the Kindle store and I looked at the reviews what the readers were saying in the reviews and I got on Instagram and looked at some of the hashtags for like paranormal romance and stuff like that and I looked at the books that they were excited about why they were excited about it like why are they always talking about Sarah J Maas like what is it about her books that is just like crack Like so I was (laughs) well they weren't they weren't all smutty. They weren't all smutty, but like they there's something that really appeals to readers. And the thing is is that a lot of the time authors will look at publishers and be like, oh, what's Bloomsbury releasing or whatever? And yeah, that's that's great, but I think it's kind of like you've got to think about where your readers are and where your readers are looking. Um like Instagram for me was huge because you look at the bookstagram hashtag and you will get, you'll get readers' opinions, whether you want them or not, about books. Um, so I found that really useful and, like, paid attention. When, when a book was hype, why was it hype? Why, what are they all saying about it that makes it so popular? Um, because readers are passionate. They love, they love to tell you stuff. They love to talk about their favorite books. They love to tell you exactly why they love them. So listen to your readers. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Don't, yeah. don't look at don't look at publishers, like especially trad publishers, um, because they they curate those lists. They have a special brand that they want to uphold. And it's not always necessarily what the readers want. So like listen always to what the readers are saying. I think that's like the biggest thing that you can do. And you, I mean. You can get it from looking at reviews, especially on Amazon where they totally cut sick. Um, (laughs) But, like, Instagram as well is another huge thing. TikTok, if you're into TikTok, there's BookTok will tell you exactly what they're into. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So what do you think are some of the mistakes an author could make uh, when, like, approaching or trying to pivot? Um, The
1: biggest, well not the biggest one, but one of them is definitely they don't research enough and they jump in too early. Um, And they go in without that foundation of knowledge about why they're doing things and what they're actually getting into. Um, Another thing is that they're doing too much stuff at once. So pick a newsletter, pick a social media that you don't hate and where your readers are hanging out. um, And that comes into like knowing your audience to where are your readers actually hanging out um if you hate Facebook don't fucking use Facebook like keep things small and keep them manageable because readers want your books more than they want your social media posts so are you a content creator or are you an author yes you can oh, do both yes, you question can. <laughs> like, like yes you can do both but if you're spending 10 plus hours a week running five or six social media platforms like how much are you actually working on your books like so I think if you start small especially if you have more than one pen have your website have your newsletter because those things are forever right you own those And then pick one social media thing that you think that you can do. For me, that was Instagram because I knew my audience was there and I fucking hate Facebook. So I, like, between those two, I've built a platform because I'm not stretched so thin running a Patreon and five social medias and everything as well as trying to write. Um,
0: This is, is like, the big thing for me because... I just cannot stretch myself any further. And I've been having loads of like thoughts, thinky thoughts and like talks about how I can cut back everything because just having like fiction and nonfiction is already a lot. And yeah. to, like, I don't want to start this pen name with like five different social, I just can't do it. Mm. I, I don't, I don't even really want to do any. I'm going to have to do at least one.
1: But, well, um, not really, not really. Okay. I've discovered this thing recently, and this thing was Roxy Ray. Very quick, Roxy Ray is smashing PNR, like absolutely smashing the paranormal romance charts. They are a group of writers who don't have social media. They don't even really have a website. They have a newsletter. Yeah, that's, see, that's, that's deal for me. <laughs> that, that's how they communicate with their fans. They literally wow. have nothing else but... Uh, rapid release because there's like a group of them they have an author central page and they have a newsletter and that is literally it how so like, are they generating traffic is it paid ads? I mean I'm assuming so because I got really excited about finding them because um, you know I was just I always get curious about people that really smash it at heart and I want to see what they're doing Mm. so I was sh- like absolutely shook by this revelation but that's what they're doing and that's how it's working
0: yeah see what I was thinking was not having a website but having a mailing list having, Well, that's what they do they have a landing yeah. page yeah so that's what I was thinking like start with a landing page and maybe if it beca- because what I don't want to do is invest too much if it's not going to be successful so for yeah. me mailing list I'm going to have to invest in that and I was thinking maybe a TikTok and then if it if it grows, I will. I can then add, but I don't need to do everything at the
1: start. If you if you know where your audience is lurking, unfortunately, that's the, well, like <laughs> some people, like for me personally, like I'm very protective of my face, um, and my real name, and all the rest of it. So, like TikTok is not a thing for me, mm-hmm. um, and I talk about social media a little bit later, but um, yeah there is so many clever ways to do TikToks and stuff that I've seen that are low, low impact, if I can say that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, where there's a will, there's a way, but I mean, as I said, these guys are massive and they have a landing page, like anything is possible.
0: Yeah. Um, And that that goes back to what we were saying earlier about the naysayers and people saying you can't make it all bullshit. Like
1: all bullshit. Like you've really got to find what, What is the best thing for you? Um, The biggest thing that I see authors doing as a mistake, and this is a personal gripe, so, like, you can cut this if you want, but the biggest thing I'm seeing is when authors pivot, they do it for the wrong reasons. So they're writing sci-fi fantasy and they see romance writers making a heap and they're like, oh, we'll just write a romance. You see this a lot with romance and erotica where writers will come in, they're very dismissive of the genre and they think that they're just going to be able to write a bunch of romance and make a bunch of money. Um, and the thing is this will always backfire on people mm. because romance readers are some of the most savviest cutthroat mm-hmm. readers like that you will ever find and they will know if you're not taking it seriously. That, like, that comes across. They will know if you hate, like, if you secretly hate what you're writing. So if you are going to pivot, choose something that you love, that you actually really want to write. Because if you're only trying to jump into a genre because you think it's going to make you money and you don't really like the genre, for the love of God, don't waste your time in everyone else's. Like, and, like, as I say, I see this in, like, because romance is so massive like you see this a lot with, and like you hear stories about erotica, like writers that hate writing erotica so much, but because they make so much money off it, they keep doing it. Like that is, like there is easier ways to make money.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. That is why I am not, um, so I like young adult. Obviously I've written young adult, but um, the, the kind of sapphic stuff that I was reading put me in a reading club which told me I should not be writing that or at least not spending the vast quantities of my time writing the wrong type stories Um, because what the market is producing, even if I wanted to write like young adult static, I don't want to write what is on the market. I want to write something different and I don't know like, unless I experiment, I don't know whether or not the market would take what it is that I want to give to the market. So that is like one kind of experiment. but That's why I've pivoted. And that's why I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a different pen name. I'm going to yeah. do a different genre that does light my fire.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: so yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And like, to me, that's the only reason to pivot. Like, if you really want to try something, get experimental in something that you know that you liable that you're excited about great do it but don't don't do it because you think it's just going to be like the meal ticket
0: yeah
1: like if it is if it is it's great but like there are so many easier ways to make money like writing books is a bitch yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay let's talk about your personal journey when you pivoted you understood the new genre intimately but then you also paired it with like a personal love of yours to kind of help create your own um angle your own hook your own voice uh, in in the new genre so can you talk a little bit about that what kind of genre knowledge did you research I know you've mentioned tropes um and like what did you like um what did you kind of blend in to create this like, perfect symmetry of like what the genre wants, and also like your passion and why do you think that's important?
1: Um, A lot of it has to do with your boredom levels so (laughs) and my boredom levels (laughs) Um, because if you're really passionate about something you just want to talk about it all the time right so I love paranormal romance I always have Um, I love indie romance paranormal romance especially because it's a lot better than trad (laughs) I'm sorry it is it is and indie writers are a lot more experimental they're a lot more fresh to read all that sort of stuff so when I was thinking of doing a pen I as I said before I jumped into the top 100 I read all the books that were hyped up I looked at the popularity lists especially on kindle unlimited because kindle unlimited was going to be my audience um and I deconstructed what they were doing I really would have loved your book at the time it would, have made, it would have made things a lot easier for me um but like I think it was uh Diana Wynne-Jones did a sorry this is a bit of a side story but Diana Wynne-Jones had a, has a really great book on her essays about writing and she says like if you're reading something and you get excited about what a author's done, go back and look at it and look deeper and look at the, how they've done it. Right. So I've always approached books that way, especially if like I'm reading a romance and the sex scene is super hot. I was just like, why was that so hot? You know, I'll go back and I'll have a look at it. So I basically did that. Um, I already knew the genre cause I read it, but I looked at it as a writer and I looked at like stuff like your tropes, um, the levels of spice that was in them, the length of them, Um, all of that kind of thing but as I was reading I was always looking for gaps in the genre and I was looking for things that annoyed me as a reader so like romance heroines traditionally tend not to be as interesting as the male uh, like the male love interest right which really fucking annoys me right So I was really determined that if I was going to write this genre, I wanted to write women characters that were interesting and not just like I'm going to make a strong female character by giving her a sword Um, like because that is just one version of strength, right? So I really wanted to see women that were real. I wanted to see tattoos. I wanted to have them bloodthirsty. I wanted cellulite. I wanted... Bad attitudes, and I wanted them not to be cured by the magic deck. Now we know we know this counterpart more often as you know the magic vagina, where only only a virgin, only a virgin can save you know the bad boy and bring out his heart of gold. Um, which you know, if you like those books, that's great. But to me personally, it was really important for me to write women that were different and that I could relate to and that were interesting and I like to always have like gender roles kind of reversed so I have a lot of men folk in the kitchen and a lot of women planning heists like you know so I really wanted to take the things that I wasn't personally finding that I really wanted in a romance and I wanted to write that in. Um, And a lot of the time, like, I get a lot of readers writing to me and being like, oh, my God, like, this character just resonated so fucking hard with me. And they're as excited about the female character as they they are about the love interest, right, which is just, like, so great for me. Um, So I was looking at genre expectations and I was combining them with shit that I was passionate about, which is, like, magic and mythology and ancient history and I was looking at what was popular but how I could change things to give readers a comfort read that was different every time and like I'm ADHD so I have a really short attention span so if I'm not interested in what I'm writing I think that other people aren't going to be interested in what I'm reading if I'm bored the readers are bored Um, so I really wanted to you know do and I still do. I always strive to keep things really fresh and I want to keep things interesting and I want to fill those gaps. Like, I honestly got the idea to start writing a, a book because I was playing an absolute shit ton of Assassin's Creed Odyssey and I couldn't find any. Like, I really wanted a, a Greek myth, modern mashup sort of paranormal romance story and I couldn't find it. So I was like, should I try writing this? Could I write this for me? Because I've always ended up writing books that, like, I personally want that I can't find. Um, So that's how kind of a lesser kicked off anyway. Um, And, like, one thing I keep doing is I haven't stopped reading my genre. So, like, I will write, I mean, I will read 25 to 30 books a month that's like my Kindle stats and majority of those, maybe like one or two are nonfiction books, but the majority of those are paranormal romance or they're fantasy romance. They're romance adjacent. Because hang on. Hang on. How many books does that equate to a year? Um, I don't have my Kindle app. It would tell me. Um, hang on. <laughs> hang on. Because <laughs> oh I, like, these, are stats at, cause these are stats out of my Kindle app because I keep seeing this, thing about oh you know once I started writing romance I stopped reading I'm like are you fucking kidding me why would you do that to yourself um so so far this year I've read 81 titles um so it's between I guess 80 and 100 books a year
0: okay okay yeah a lot then
1: so yeah so I average about 25 to 30 a month um because I love it right like I love I love what I do and I love the genre and I'm passionate about it and like majority of those are romance books because I want to see what cool thing the person in fantasy romance is doing and how I can steal some of what they do or how they're doing (laughs) and then and then do it better Like, like, like if people as if people like I mean, it it makes sense. And, like, when I was looking at, you know, different worlds I wanted to write, I wrote The God's Universe because I love writing about mythology and gods in the modern modern day and all of those sorts of stuff. But then, like, I looked at, like, do I go vampires? Do I go fae? Do I go... And, like, I looked at all of those things within my genre and I read them all. So, um, you know, it, it helps keep your stuff fresh because... Yeah like readers in this genre are voracious and they don't want the same stuff all the time. And that's why they're, they're in Kindle Unlimited because they don't want the same stuff that they've been getting from trad for the last however long, you know. Um, okay.
0: Let's, let's go practical and look at some of the marketing aspects. So like how did you approach the marketing? Um, what did you decide to do, not do, and kind of how, how do you launch or how did you launch?
1: This is going to upset so many people. I'm just, I'm just, just, I can see it already Um, because it's so different, I guess, to what everyone's told to do. But um, with marketing, I asked myself the major questions of what's going to be the most effective? What do I enjoy doing? What platforms do I hate? Because, I mean, I didn't want to be doing all the things like I said before. Um, I chose Instagram because it was something that I enjoy and it has a really big romance community. Um, a part of my marketing plan is I do do a rapid release schedule. So I'll release a book every like two to three months. Um, unless something like major is happening in my life and I tell my readers about it. Um, so i plan books actually a year in advance and I draft really quickly and neatly because I've had a year thinking about it and rapid release. I'm just going to put a caveat here that it is not for everyone and you can be really successful and not do rapid release. But personally, for me, it works because I write that quickly and I like producing that quickly. Um, But if you want to look at a rapid release plan, I recommend you stockpiling manuscripts first like write the first four before how you many, release the first one.
0: <laughs> how many? How many words a day do you average? Just out of curiosity to look at what that looks like at, at the daily level.
1: So, so my books are generally between fifty and seventy thousand words. I will do two to three thousand words a day. So I will knock over a book in six weeks. That is, is that happening. five days
0: a week or seven?
1: That's five.
0: Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to understand. So yeah, it's
1: yeah, it's like ten thousand words a week. Yeah. Um, sometimes I write more um, if I'm excited about a project, um, but generally I will always have at least one day off of non like not writing in the week um, for mental health and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and also because of the ADHD, I can get really hyper-focused. And if I don't take that day, I will work until I burn myself out and then I'll be I'll be down for a week. Mm. So for me personally, it's better just to take the day and suffer through it um, and not crash and burn in the next week. Um, so apart from that, I use um, Amazon ads, but I just <laughs> want to also say, I'm not like a guru at them. I'm not good at them. Like the best ROI I've ever gotten on ads is like the auto ads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like give a lot of stuff away. So like I will run free promos on like my number ones um, a couple of times a month to bring in new readers. And I also will use like email services, like written word media because I get really good like ROI with them. Um As for launches they're all soft launches so as i said i release every two to three months so i know by looking at my royalties that 80 percent of my royalties come from kindle unlimited readers right so i don't do pre-orders um they really fuck with my adhd um, because i i freak out and freeze and don't write as quickly if i'm like caught up in a deadline and I panic and all that kind of stuff. Like I personally find them really stressful and because most of my readers are coming through Kindle Unlimited, they don't do pre-order anyway. So it's usually when I finish a book, um, I will let, I always let my audience know where, where, like what stage we're at Um, and then I'll just release it as soon as it's ready. Um, I will generally over launch time so like I'll make sure that I'm keeping them in the loop over what stage the book is at and if I'm getting closer to release I'll put up some like teaser posts on Instagram um and then tell them to keep their eyes open I'll put a chapter on my my blog um if it's a longer series I'll put the first like few on a promo to get some new readers in um and then once I make the book live I will email my mailing list and I'll put the post up on Instagram and then as people all freak out in excitement I will share all of their stuff and keep the conversation going and that's basically it I do not put heaps of money into launches um I know sometimes writers get really hung up on like if you don't do a big launch your book is a failure Um, I'm not one of those people at all because I really have seen the benefit of having a catalog and having a long tail end and getting really good you know read through and all the rest of it but it's once again knowing who your readers are I that's why I just don't do pre-orders um they also fuck with your honeymoon period um on Amazon so like if you have it's it's just better for me all around if I just release them and just tell everyone. And my readers like know it and expect it from me. So they love the hype. Like they love it when I just will randomly drop them a book. Um, It's not something that I think would work for everybody. Um, It's just works for me. It works for my readers. Um, So I'm sorry, anybody who has a very intense launch plan, but I I do the same thing every time. Um, And, the important thing is, like, I keep my readers in the loop so they yeah. know what's coming. Yeah. Okay. So um,
0: last sort of couple of questions. What You wrote your book specifically for KU. Um, yeah. What does that mean to you? Like, what did that look like? What things did you do intentionally to kind of please that audience?
1: Um. So it really was a part of my like research into KU because KU romance is a completely different beast to like tr- trad romance. And I'm not talking just about traditionally published romance, but romance as, as like romance books as a, as a, as a genre, like KU is a completely different beast and like it's like going from if you if you read KU Indie one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about it the KU romance is really fresh it's really interesting it has a completely different vibe um and literally it's like once you get into like paranormal romance in the KU space and then try and read something that follows a more traditional route it's like going from Thai food to boiled potatoes like because they are so different um the expectations are completely different to like stuff just from like length so most KU romance books are between 50 to 70,000 words um rapid release is really favored with KU because a lot of them are whale readers um they love to binge so like that's why rapid release works so well Um, especially in KU, Um, I looked at a lot of tropes and trends. I looked at love interests like a fae hot right now, a vampire's hot right now, a monster's hot right now. Um, I try and finish one series before I start another because KU readers, they do love to binge. They don't want to jump around. So they don't want one book in one universe and then another book in another universe and then jumping back to do like, you know, that kind of back and forth. It can work, but not as well. Like KU readers really want to They want the whole thing in one go or they want, you know, rapid release. And like all of that was just a lot of it was to do with my research and knowing I picked KU because I read it. And also I wanted to keep things manageable. So I knew I would, I would do Kindle unlimited because I knew how hard it was to do wide and, like, I was wide indie, so I have used stuff like draft to digital all the rest of it, um, and I wanted to keep things as simple as possible. So that's why I was like, I will do just Kindle Unlimited. I will write my books for that audience and I will do my best to give them what they want. Um, and honestly, a lot of that was just looking at what's popular and, like, deconstructing what's popular why is it popular talk to your like talk to the readers jump on Instagram um all of those things and it's knowing what rules are on like are unbreakable but the thing is they're all pretty breakable if you break them well so I think if you if you're going to do it and you're going to pivot like have a really clear plan on what you want Uh, To me, I wanted things that were manageable. So that's why I only have the newsletter and I only have one social media account. It's why I stick to Kindle Unlimited. I only got into releasing paperbacks in the last couple of months because most of my royalties are KU readers. Um, And I talked to them about it. I said, do you guys want me to do omnibus paperbacks? Because Australia finally got their um act together like the amazon store and that's so a it's a lot easier for australian writers now to use the kdp print because beforehand we didn't have it um so i said would you guys like omnibus editions and i'll just bundle them um and they loved that idea so that's what i did um but my audience still is really ku and that's who i'm going to cater to so yeah
0: i love it i love it Okay, so my last question before I ask the ultimate question then, Um, you talked about deconstruction. Obviously, we all know I'm a big fan of deconstruction. So I just wondered what that looked like to you. How did you do it? What kind of things did you, um, how did you do the breakdown? Uh, Yeah, just talk to me about that process and what it looked like to you.
1: Um, It was a lot less organised than what your fabulous book explains. (laughs) I'm going to show you that right now. Um, I really sat down with a pen and paper and like a scrivener file. And as I was reading stuff, so I, like I grabbed the most popular books. And as I was reading stuff, I was really just writing down, okay, so I've read five, you know, five of these r- fave romances and what's the most common character and why do people like this kind of trope and like I was writing all the tropes down I was writing the love interests down because they're usually not human I was writing down stuff like is is it written in third person is it written in first person like what are those things and paranormal romance generally is written in first person I personally hate writing first person so I write I write third still but I do a very close third um so I was looking at all those things I was looking at how do they have their blogs I mean not their blogs their blurbs set up their description set up I looked at I got um Alex Newton bless his heart and oh my K-Lytics god he's report, amazing K, reports and I looked especially the paranormal romance I got the the latest one and because it's so kindle driven as well I looked at their breakdown on you know the the niches and I looked at you know just even their cover design like I I got right into it because I was like if I'm gonna do it I really want to do it well um and do it the best that I can because I was like if it doesn't work doesn't matter I've got the trad thing I've got the other pen name it's fine it's doing its thing um but I really wanted to like give it the best shot that I could and looking at stuff like what do the covers look like? It's not just about content. It's about the package that you're like, Eleanor Johnson talks about the package and the promise and all that sort of stuff. Like you have to make sure that it's not just the stories that you're writing. You have to make sure that it looks like the things that readers want to read, how the blurbs are set up, how, you know, all of those things, you're the marketing side of that. That's your package. That's what you that's, you know, that's the thing that's going to attract your readers. So give them what they want. Like, it doesn't matter if you don't like, you know, guys with, you know, like no shirts on or whatever, if that's what's in your genre, put a shirtless guy on your cover for the love of God, like do yourself a favor Um But you know what I mean? It's about knowing what the readers actually are looking for and what they want and, and giving that to them. And so when I was deconstructing, I wasn't just looking at content. I was looking at packaging. I was looking at branding. I was looking at all of those things because I wanted to present in a way that like readers would trust what I'm giving them because I'm giving it to them the same way, but different every time. Um but I'm like, they know what they're going to expect when they pick up an Alessa Thorn book. They know that they're going to get, you know, the magic and the mythology and the action and the sweary female and like the bloodthirstiness and they know what they're going to get. Um, and a lot of that came down to what I love, what's what I came up with in my deconstruction. And as I said, I'm still reading, I'm still deconstructing all the time because like, Readers pay my bills. I want to give them what they want. I talk to my readers all the time. Um, I have a really active Instagram because I'm always talking to my readers like and asking them, "Do you want paperbacks? What series do you want me to write next?" Like, you know, they're basically, because of their excitement about one particular family that I've written into another series, that's going to get another spin-off because that's what they want. So, I mean, deconstruction books very much so do the thing. Everyone buys Sasha's book because she does it a lot better than me. <laughs> but, <don't> <laughs> but I, mean, I mean, as I said, deconstruct all aspects of it, the marketing, your branding, how you're presenting to your readers, how you talk to your readers. Um, it's all part of it absolutely all part of it
0: it really is and I like am obsessive and a huge fan of deconstruction so I obviously completely agree with everything you just said okay this is the rebel author podcast so tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel
1: I had to think a lot about this question For legality reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, And I, one of the things that I did, I don't know how much of an act of rebellion it is in the, in a sense that, you know, speaking your truth is a rebellion. Um, But a funny story, I got it into my head a couple of years ago that I needed a university degree in order to become a writer it didn't matter that I was already writing a lot at this point, but I was like, I'm going to get the piece of paper. Right. So I decided to do a creative writing degree and I had a, all my electives were ancient history, which I loved, which I loved. Um, and I hated all of the, the writing stuff. Um, but the, the straw that broke the camel's back was they had a unit on publishing and i was like i am gonna motherfucking slay this i'm gonna just i'm gonna i'm gonna know everything this is gonna be really great and it was so fucking bad sasha like it was like it was written in the 1960s by the editor of penguin like it was so out of touch so out of touch About how the actual industry was at the time, and I'm not just talking indie, I was talking trad as well, and the landscape it was so out of touch. Um, and they had nothing on self publishing or indie publishing until week 13 to put it in perspective. Your final like thing is handed in in a week 12, so week 13 (laughs) is like a week 13 is a bludge week, right? (laughs) So I was on the forums because 10% of your marks was forum work where you had to talk to people. And I was talking to, cause I was an mature age student and I was talking to all these like young 20 year olds who are all interested in exciting about writing and publishing and learning how to get into publishing. Um, and I was talking to them about, well, I wasn't saying exactly like this was wrong, but I was saying like, you know, guys, really do your research because this is, this information's a little bit dated. There's a lot of different options. And the tutor at the time was getting really aggressive with me um, because I was saying to them, like, oh, no, there's, there's other options these days. Like, it's not just, you know, you have to query and get an agent and, and take that next step and all the rest of it. Um, and the tutor was getting quite aggressive with me. And she ended up marking me down for my, for my input in the discussion boards. Um, But (laughs) so the rebel side of this conversation really comes in because I was doing like a, um, it was, it was a uni course, but it was, it was online uni. Right. And after every unit, the university will actually send you a survey about, what did you think of this unit? What, what did you get out of it? Um, and a competing university in Australia had very recently did a study on self-publishing in Australia specifically, um, independent publishing, all, all the works, right? So because I can get quite petty when I get my, when my blood up, I wrote a full essay... <laughs> back to the university on why like one I brought up the issues with the tutor um I brought up the issues with the dating of the content and how it was basically telling these young writers that you know they're never going to make it um and I got super petty and I started to reference everything back to articles about publishing but especially this actual academic paper um about and, and like the whole thing with indie publishing how they've only like left it to the last week and it was like a really throwaway it was written very glibly it was very kind of snide and derogatory and I went through that thing like a dose of salts um, and because I have my you know, my context and all that sort of stuff in my strengths. I gave it to them double barrels, but I gave it to them double barrels in APA kind of referencing style.
0: Look at this, this is amazing. <laughs> um,
1: and I actually got an email back apologising <gasps> to the tutor. And, and then I said, thanks very much, but I'm not continuing with university. Um, You guys have made me realise that um, I don't need you to be a successful writer. What I really wanted was actually not a university degree but a um, subscription to JSTOR. So thank you for putting that into clarity for me. And I walked away from my university degree. Oh, my God. Because I was like... All, like I wasn't so sorry for me. I was so sorry for all the kids that were coming through with me, who were taking it as gospel. Mm. And I was like, no, I'm really going to speak my truth here and let them know that there's other ways, and that self-publishing, indie publishing, it's so viable. But they don't want to change, and like I, and I, I, was really like, do your research, guys, and all the rest of it, because. I don't want all these young kids thinking, especially because they're the most able to like learn a new platform and learn how to do the marketing and all the rest of it that's involved in it.
0: So, I, love this. I love this story so much. And my favorite bit is the fact that you ABA referenced it. I just think that is spectacular.
1: Well, oh. I thought, you know what? You've made me do this referencing so much and I didn't want it to be a rant. I didn't want it to be like an unfounded rant at them. So I gave them a full essay on the whole bit and used amazing. the most the most recent articles the most recent like academic studies especially within Australia because it was like publishing in Australia was the unit. So I gave them like the whole thing. Um,
0: Absolutely amazing. Thank you so, so much for your time today. I have loved talking to you. Would you like to tell everyone where they can find out more about you and your books and anything else that you would like to add?
1: Um, Yeah, so the best place to find me is um, alessathornauthor.com. I have an open blog that you can subscribe to as a newsletter or if you want to know what's going on, I just look at my news blog. Um, It has all the most up-to-date, what I'm doing, what's coming out, sort of information on it. Um, Or you can look at my Alyssa Thorne Instagram. I am always there. And I love to talk to to my readers. So definitely jump in there and say hi.
0: Amazing. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show today.
1: And of course... Thank you for having
0: me. You are most welcome. And of course, a gigantic thank you to all of the show's listeners and all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, as well as a bunch of goodies, then you can by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to Alessa Thorn, And this was the Rebel Author Podcast. This week, I am joined by Asa Maria Bradley and we are talking all about collaborations. Uh, Asa has done a multitude of collaborations and has some really interesting ideas um, and she's a high learner, everyone drink. And so it was absolutely delightful to talk to her all about the different things that she has learned from collaborations. And so it's quite an interesting perspective. Uh, one, I know I've talked about collaborations before, but this is an interesting perspective on them. So I'm excited to share that with you next week. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher and when you have a moment please leave a review.